Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 28 minutes now to nine the time. Glad you're with us for your Mediated Conversation this morning. As government schools in several provinces go back today, those learners in matric are entering what is probably the most stressful time of their lives so far. I'm sure you remember the time that you wrote matric or the time that someone in your family or your child or your grandchild wrote matric. I'm sure you remember that time of anxiety and sometimes fear. There's plenty of evidence that it's a very stressful time. People who work with younger people report hearing many calls for help from young people during the matric exams. We've all heard the stories about people who've even taken their own lives. And there are the moments when people find that the results they got were so disappointing. Now there's a suggestion from a former educator that in fact we should simply do away with the matric exam as it is currently and it should be replaced with something else, I suppose a longer term form of assessment. Of course that may have its own problems. Don't forget many countries around the world have some kind of school leaving exam and a final exam allows an education department to use independent assessors to mark the exams. Yeah, long process may be impossible to do that. Well, first this morning, the person who made this suggestion, Michael Workman, he was writing in Daily Maverick. He's a retired educator, was most recently principal at St. John's Preparatory School in Joburg. Then the impact of matric on learners. Cassie Chambers is the operations officer at the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. What other options are there apart from a matric, or are we stuck with it? Professor Chika Sohole is the Professor of Higher Education and the Dean of Education, the Dean of the Faculty of Education at the University of Pretoria. And finally, from the Department of Basic Education, their Chief Director for National Assessment and Public Examinations, Dr. Rufus Polaya. We start then with the person who started all of this, Michael Workman. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Thank you. What's wrong with the system of writing matric exams? Steve, I go for hours. Um, I think it puts children under huge, huge pressure. So much so that there actually are issues with that of committing suicide. And any exam or anything educational where a child's at risk, it's not worth it, really. If I ask one child, that would be problematic for me. And every year, it happens all the time. Children are committing suicide. It's because the nature of the exam tends to be summative meaning is highly quantitative, which means you get no feedback whatsoever from, from the children, um, which means you could improve it. Um, it is, I'd much rather see a formative type of exam, which is more feedback to educators, who are part of the process anyway. Teachers in the past have been part of the process. They've been, been given the work to do themselves or to find out. And I teach should start, I think the curriculum all that you need really is in, in literacy, numeracy and technology and of course music and art and dance music art and dance it's all you really need in a, in a, in a proper assistant assistantship ongoing assistant it requires empowering teachers and improving quality Michael, Michael, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm going to ask you just to speak directly into the speaker uh, of the phone, please, because okay, it sounds like you're on a handset or something. I'm sorry okay. about that. All right. No, 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 I'm sorry. But where did I get to? Um, presently, uh, we, are, we are teaching from one paradigm, a traditional paradigm, which, which is, we should be teaching from a hermeneutic or process paradigm, whereby... We take into account children's feelings, we take into account the whole class, and we don't assess with one exam. That exam when you think about. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Um, okay. So if you didn't have yeah. a matric exam, you'd have to replace it with something. What would you replace yeah. it with? With a formative assessment process starting in grade one. So in it's other words, it will be continual assessment? Absolutely continual, yeah. 
And there's no reason you can't have a little bit of a other type of assessment, but I, I, being eclectic means you'll water down one and improve the other. Um. I, as I understand it, and I made the point that many countries have a school leaving exam, and I think one of the reasons they do that is that it's the only efficient way to test all of the learners at the same time in the same way and to have independent marking, independent assessment. So all of the exam papers from across the entire country can go to different places in our system. They go to provincial headquarters and be marked by people under the same system. It also means they're being marked by people who don't know them so that it is independent. That, I think, is part of the idea. Can that really be done for a comprehensive assessment program over 12 years of schooling. I mean, surely it would be much harder to do that independently. It would be much harder, but I think we're, we're on the end if we start thinking about it. The problem is we come up with these ideas and nothing happens for years and years and years. There's no accountability or responsibility backing it. There are ideas. I don't know. Your idea sounds a good one, which you read about. I'd have to do more research into it. But um, it sounds like it has got something behind it, some merit. Um, if we put our minds together as a team, I'm sure it's coming from me that we Um, Do you really believe that there is uh, that this is ever going to happen? I mean, it's just worth repeating that so many countries have an end-of-year exam. I'm yeah. sure if there were better systems, they would replace it. Well, this is, we can't have a better system. You know, just because in South Africa, for example, I think it's time now to start in the fourth generation, the fourth um, independent examination, whereby we teach those three subjects that's all we have to do, teach three subjects, and that's not impossible, and be huge empowering of the teachers. When you think about it, um, presently we are learning from one paradigm and assessing from another. That's school. We can't do that. We have to line up the lines. You know, we don't have a curriculum at the moment, so whatever we do, will be better. We all right, Michael Workman, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. A retired educator, uh, former principal at St. John's Preparatory. Unfortunately, not a very clear line uh, to hear him on that. Uh, you are there, SFM. Your mediated conversation continues 21 minutes now to nine. Cassie Chambers is the operations manager at the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Cassie, good morning. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me. How difficult is the matric year and matric exams for young people? So from... SADAC's perspective, we start getting calls from matrix from the beginning of the year all the way up to after the results are released and they're figuring out, you know, second chance programs and so forth. It's incredibly stressful. There's also a lot of pressure. You know, never mind within the school and teachers already starting, this is the biggest year, this is the, the hardest year. It's also from parents, from families, from communities, even the whole country puts so much focus. So we get a lot of calls from matrix throughout the year who are feeling incredibly stressed, incredibly overwhelmed, um, phoning us the night before the exam, phoning us after the exams, um, even before the results are released. It is incredibly hard. And we've even noted that we're getting calls already from grade 11s who are already stressing about matric because you start matric work in grade 11. So there just seems to be a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and our kids are just feeling incredibly overwhelmed. Um, Is it, I mean... With that stress, is it because of the peak of the matric exams that, you know, you've got this ominous thing that's in your future, this sort of moment? If we were to replace it with something that was much longer term, what I'm trying to work out is would they be less stressed or not necessarily? So I think, you know, there's there's definitely a place for exams and testing, and, and that's also good stress that helps us to perform, and we know all the science around that. 
I think what we really have to relook at is this one particular period, this build-up of everything you've done for the last 12 years in this very one moment. And I think that's what we should relook at. Instead of having this one period, this one term, this one month, we should be looking at providing that support and providing that focus from the beginning of the year. We also have to equip our learners and our matrix on how to deal with this kind of stress. We can't just put all this stress and all this pressure and timelines and workload if we're not teaching them the tools and the resources to cope with this. Because that's when we see good stress turning into bad stress. And without the coping skills, throwing in other life issues such as illness, bullying, relationships, family issues, kids are not coping. And that's when they're turning to feelings of anxiety, depression and even suicide. Clearly, um, things have changed around mental health and young people, certainly very different from when I was growing up a long time ago now. Um, I I know that there's going to be an argument that says life is tough, and I don't want to not hear everything that you've said. I have. But what people are going to suggest is that if you want to succeed in life, your first big test often is actually a matric exam, and that's a good thing because you need to know what that test is. You need to be able to produce under pressure. And take it from me, uh, you need to learn the lesson of producing under pressure. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's important, right? Because that teaches us key life skills, how to plan, time management, preparing. So there's definitely value in that. But I think we're having to teach those coping skills to our learners and, and maybe spread it out. You know, even when we're in the workplace with life, we are able to plan these things. It doesn't happen once in the year when we have all of our deadlines, right? Our deadlines start from work from the beginning to the end. So I think we're having to bridge that gap and really teaching our kids those coping skills. That's what we found is is missing. We've always had mental health issues, and I think with the, the way the world is right now, with the different stresses and pressures and experiences we've been through, our kids are under a lot more pressure and dealing with things that maybe 10, 20 years ago they weren't dealing with. So I think we're having to hear from our kids what they're not coping with, where they're needing help, provide those resources, and actually figure out what the gaps are. When we're looking at the issue of even just hearing a few weeks ago, and a grade 12 learner died by suicide, we often hear it in the press around exam season, but also when the results are released. We hear all these increase in suicides, and we hear it in the press. One suicide is one too many. Are we learning? Are we changing? Are we adapting to make sure that we're helping to support our learners more? I think that's a question that we all, as caregivers, teachers, schools, and education, should be looking at more seriously. Cassie Chambers, thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate it. Operations Director at the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. We continue your mediated conversation around matric, around the impact that it has. Should we replace it with a different form? 17 minutes now to 90 with SAFM. Uh, uh, Professor Chika Sehole is the Professor of Higher Education, the Dean of the Faculty of Education at the University of Pretoria. Professor, good morning and thanks for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and thank you for inviting me. It may sound like a silly question, but why do we have the matric exam in the first place? Well, um, Stephen, as you may know, uh, learners go through uh, 12 years of, of learning, but we need a certain measure of, uh, a certain me- a way in which you can assess what these learners have learned throughout their schooling uh, period and what is it that they are able to do and so on. And as you said in your, in your opening remarks, uh, we need to have this you know, done across the avenue. Uh, we have a sense of where our learners are, what is it that they are able to do, what is it that they are 
they are able to uh, uh, to perform and so on. So national exams are very important and they give us a measure of what our education system is like and what our what is coming out of the education system. I suppose you could probably make an argument to say that in the most unequal country of the world, it's even more important to do that, to see if education is levelling up. The only way you can really check is from a trick result. Of course, it is. Um, it is uh, uh, important to do it. And metric gives us as higher education institutions a, a measure of what kind of learners are, we, are coming out of our education system. Some of the learners go out into the labour market. Um, uh, employers are able to get a glimpse of, you know, where this particular person who's knocking at the door looking for a job is, has done and has been able to achieve. So um, the, the value of uh, national exit exams is, is multi-purpose. You know, it helps you know, both the learner as well to give, a, to give him or her a sense of what has he or her achieved. What has he or what he, he or, or she has achieved. And um, the, the employers, the higher education institutions are able to get a sense of, you know, um, who these people are and what they have been able to do and achieve. Um, when you have a matric leaving exam or a school leaving exam, um, people often talk about this. Are you really testing learners on what they've learned and what they can do? Or are you just testing them on their ability to pass an exam? No, it's not only about the ability to pass exam, but what is important is that the fact that uh, the learner has passed an exam, it does give you an indication of uh, a level of performance of that particular. You need to know or, or what you need to uh, think about is what, what are these learners tested on? It's not only on knowledge of what they've been taught. Um, the exams... At metric level, they, te- they test you know, cognitive skills, and we've got different kinds of uh, skills. they high-level skills, medium-level skills, and low cognitive uh, development skills. And all of those things, uh, they do give you a sense of what this person is able to do. And I think it's very important, and we do, should not underestimate the value of you know, testing and assessment across all the different subjects which these learners um, uh, take at school. So when someone comes uh, to the university, especially with a bachelor pass, we do, it gives us a certain measure of what this learner has achieved and can be able to do. Are there any other systems we could look at instead of a matric exam? The idea of comprehensive assessment across, you know, an entire school, uh, an entire school career over 12 years. Would it be possible to even look at implementing something like that in South Africa? Well, I, I have not, I'm not aware of any other, you know, system that has been able to uh, provide a, a country with a measure of um, uh, standardization and level of what letters are able to do other than national exit exams. And, um, uh, and for that reason, I, I, I'm still a proponent of national exit um, exam systems. You heard from Cassie Chambers a while ago about the stress it puts on younger people. And I mean, how do I put this? Being a young person has changed in the last 20 years. And I think it's changed more dramatically than I ever thought it would. Does that mean that maybe we could look at doing the exam in a slightly different way, reducing the stress, providing more support, all of those kinds of things? 
Well, I mean, we need to look at, you know, what are the sources of those stresses. Uh, people point at metric, but I think we need to find ways in which we can uh, build resilience uh, in the learners, not only at grade 11 and 12, but from the early grades, they need to be taught and trained and coached that what life is. Exams and assessments are part and parcel of day-to-day you know, living. As I am on this platform, uh, Stephen, with you, this is a form of assessment for me, and it's not easy. There is pressure that is you know, applied um, on me as I respond to your questions. In my preparation for this interview, I had to go through a certain level of pressure. So I think in our, uh, in our training and in our teaching of these learners, they need to be aware of the fact that life is not easy, it's tough, and at some point will be uh, subjected to some form of assessment. And yeah. I think we should not throw the baby with the bathwater. Pressure does not only come in the exam room. It is built up from different sources, you know, from parents, from peers, and so on. And we need to find ways in which we are able to differentiate, you know, these sources of pressure, um, which sometimes lead to unfortunate situations among some of the learners who might not be able to cope. Professor Chika Sahole, thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate it. Professor of Higher Education, Dean of the Faculty of Education at the University of Pretoria. In a moment, from the Department of Basic Education, the Chief Director for National Assessment and Public Examinations, Dr. Rufus Palaya. We'll continue your mediated conversation around the matric exams. It's just gone 10 minutes to 9. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continuing your mediated conversation this morning around the matric exams. Dr. Rufus Palaya is the Chief Director for National Assessment and public examinations. Dr. Palia, good morning. Thanks for your time. Uh, good morning, Stephen, and good morning to the listeners and our guests this morning. And thank you for this opportunity, uh, Stephen. Sure. Do you think the matric exam that we have now, is it really assessing what learners know their potential? Is it, I suppose the phrase would be, fit for purpose? Is it doing what it's supposed to do? Stephen, that's an interesting question. And uh, obviously, uh, the jury is out on that question, and it's an issue that we as the department are continuously working on in terms of making the metric uh, assessment fit for purpose. But the point that I want to stress, uh, Stephen, is that our assessment regime through all grades, including grade 12, comprises of both school-based assessment, or what you refer to as continuous assessment, as well as an external examination component. Uh, The component, which is school-based, varies in its weighting across the different grades. Now, I also need to mention that all examinations world over have their downsides, and all good systems do their best to reduce the anxiety and stress related to examinations. Unfortunately, Stephen, examinations are necessary and cannot be avoided completely. And the Department of Basic Education is fully cognizant of the negatives associated with examinations, and we are working towards minimizing these negatives. Now, just to give you an indication, Stephen, in terms of uh, the role that school-based assessment or continuous assessment, as referred to in some quarters, plays in terms of the assessment protocol at all grades, In the foundation phase, grade R to to grade 3, 100% of the assessment is school-based, 
and, and determined by the teacher. And the teacher is able to provide continuous feedback to the learner. When you get to grade four to grade seven, 80% of that assessment is continuous, is school-based, so it allows for this formative assessment which Mr. Workman talks about. Unfortunately, as we go higher, there's a need to bring in a greater sense of reliability into the assessment. Now, examinations are highly reliable, but school-based assessment is low in, in reliability. So therefore, when we get to the senior phase, 60% of the assessment is still school-based assessment, and 40% is, is examination-focused. In grade 10 and 11, 40% is school-based, and 60% is examination. Mm. Unfortunately, in grade 12, we're not confident enough to have a higher weighting of, of school-based assessment, and we've kept the school-based assessment at, at 25%. And, and this 25% allows for alternative forms of assessment, allows for the assessment of practical skills, allows for the assessment of oral skills in language. So the assessment at the grade 12 level, even though dominated by examination, still attempts to include other constructs of, of teaching and learning, other skills, and specifically looking at application of knowledge uh, in terms of higher order skills that must be developed in learners. And let me also indicate, Stephen, that across the board, there's a gradual move to ensuring that assessment is more school-based and has a stronger formative focus. Um, we agree that that must be the fundamental of assessment in terms of promoting teaching and learning rather than just being driven for, by scores. However, like I mentioned earlier, the conundrum lies in the low reliability of school-based assessment. And given the difference in teacher competencies from one school to the other, from one district to the other, from one province to the other, we cannot place a higher focus on school-based assessment at this stage. And the department is working towards improving the competency of our teachers so that they could conduct school-based assessment in a more acceptable and in a more accurate uh, manner. So, and, and Sorry, Dr. Pillai, to, to interrupt. There are a couple of other things we could do. We're going to run out of time in a minute. I mean, we could... So, so for example, most of the matric exams are written probably over a month or a six-week period. I mean, we could change that, and we could maybe have, say, over a six-month period, and for one month it's maths, and the next month it's uh, uh, languages or something. I mean, would that, do you think, reduce the stress? Would that put make it actually much harder for the department to manage? Would it reduce uh, matric as a focal point but have other unintended consequences? Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Stephen. We, we need to explore various options. Uh, but obviously, having the assessment spread through the entire year will have implications for how the curriculum is structured and how teaching and learning is implemented. And um, I think, for me, what we need to understand is that the metric is just not a one-year exam or a one-year curriculum. It extends over a three-year period. And in a number of subjects, I mean, one does look at school-based assessment from grade 10 moving into grade 11 and, and, and grade 12. Uh, so various options will be considered. 
And in terms of our current metric exam, I mean, understandably, it extends over a six-week period, but we looked at how subjects are spaced so that uh, learners will write their more difficult subjects, you know, on specific days. And given the fact that, you know, although we have 160 uh, papers listed on the timetable, but each learner writes on an average 14 papers, which are spread over that six-week period. And I think for me, in terms of reducing stress, it's more about learner expectations, parental expectations, and, and maybe that's an issue that we need to manage. And added to that is making sure that learners are prepared for the examination. And I think the three years that we have in terms of preparing learners for this examination does go a long way in terms of reducing stress levels amongst learners. But I think the issue of expectations is something that that we need Mm. to better manage uh, across uh, our different schools. Dr. Rufus Palayap, thank you very much indeed. Chief Director for National Assessments and Public Examinations at the Department of Basic Education. My thanks also to Professor Chika Seule, Professor of Higher Education, Dean of the Faculty of Education at the University of Pretoria, Cassie Chambers, Operations Director of the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, and Michael Workman, the retired educator who started this debate. Do we still need matric? I'm sure you have memories of that time. We will see you uh, tomorrow from Mport, Mdoops, Tanzip, and Yanamas. Look after yourself. You're with SAFM leading the conversation. It's nine o'clock.